Morning, church. Let's stand up. Worship the Lord today with us. Let's put our hands together. Things in your name, they shall be done. 
hope of God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be y'all doing? Sound like you're numb. Everybody awake? All right, we want to welcome you to Haven Community Church. Hopefully everybody is ready to really connect and worship to God, um, worship God and just everything that he has for us today. And um, so we're just going to move on forward today um, in, our, in our worship and just connect. Anybody else got anything to say on up here? Anybody? We're all like dressed Bring in, it on. We're all like dressed in some kind of shade of black today. You know, so we're like, right. look at that. We coordinated that, so. So either that's good or bad. I don't know what it could be. So. But mostly, it um, seems like this time of year, I, I just been talking to people. How many feel like it, it's just crazier than ever? Anybody? You're just running, running. There's so many things, all the activity and things kicked in. Well, that's what we want to do. We're going to just stop and focus on God here during this time. So that's what we're going to do. Let's, uh, let's just uh, open with a quick word of prayer. Lord God, once again, we come to you, and we're thank- so thankful for all that you do. And so, God, just uh, may, the, may this worship be acceptable to you. May you just um, hear us as we recognize today. There's so many other things going on. Um, but, God, we, we serve an, an incredible God. And as we wrap up this radical series today, God, teach us what it truly means to live radically for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We better wake up with this one. We better wake up. blind will see, through you the mute will sing, through you the dead will rise, through you all hearts will praise, through you the darkness flees, through you my heart screams I am free. A TV out there. And I am free to run. I am free to run. I am free to dance. I am free to dance. I am free to live for you. I am free to live for you. Yes, I am free. I am free. Yes, I am free. I am free. I want to run, I want to hide, I want to tear down the walls that hold me inside, I want to reach out and touch the flame, where the streets have no name, oh, I want to feel sunlight on my face. I see the dust cloud disappear without a trace. I want to take shelter from the 
streets have no name Where the streets have no name Where the streets have no name kingdom comes through you the battles won through you i'm not afraid through you the price is paid through you there's victory through you my soul sings i am free yes i am free take it down i am free to run take it out i am free to run and I am free to dance. I am free to dance. And I am free to live for you. I am free to live for you. Yes, I am free. I am free. Yes, I am free. I am free. For the Lord, He inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song. Upon a rock, 
made my footsteps firm. Many will see, many will see and feel. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song. Singing how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. Yeah, we're singing how marvelous, and my song shall ever be how marvelous how wonderful is my Savior's love for me I have decided I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. He took my sins, He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own And he bore the burden to Calvary And suffered and died alone We're singing how marvelous, how wonderful And my song shall Go, though none go with me, still I will follow. 
no turning back no turning back though none go with me still i will follow no turning back no turning back with the ransom glory when with the ransomed in glory his face our last shall sing it will be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me much you're singing up we're all singing how marvelous how wonderful and my song shall ever be how marvelous before me the world behind me no turning back no turning back the cross before me the world behind me no turning back 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 no turning back. Hey, Father, once again, we come here today and we're just gathering to, to connect to you. We just pray that whatever is on our hearts, that God, you will speak to our hearts and our minds so that we can uh, ha- hear what you have for us and for our life and, f- and for where you want us to go. That we may be exactly like we just sang, I have decided to follow Jesus. Um, no turning back, no turning back. And so, God, during this, um, this time, uh, we set aside everything for you, and we just ask for a special, uh, special touch from the Holy Spirit during this time. So, Lord God, we give you praise in your name. Amen. Before we head anywhere, what I want to do is um, we would be remiss if we did not mention what happened 15 years ago. And so I'd ask you to be in an attitude of prayer as we have a video prayer for you today regarding what happened 15 years ago on 9-11. Dear God, even though the events of 9-11 took place long ago, most of us can still recall them like it was yesterday. Some, more than others, are still feeling the effects and the pain. On this day, we remember all those who lost their lives and their loved ones to this terrible tragedy. We lift up their families and their friends and ask for strength, peace, and comfort. We also remember and honor those heroes who stepped in to help, to save, to serve. And we will never forget those who gave their lives for the noble cause of rescuing others. We are forever grateful and pray blessing and comfort over their families. We pray for the spirit of unity to revisit our nation. The unity we felt in the midst of our struggles and our confusion. 
we pray that our citizens would look to God for wisdom and guidance, just as many did during that time of uncertainty. But most of all, we pray for the swift return of our Savior, who will one day put an end to all tragedies and to all tears. We love you. And we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. It's hard to believe that's 15 years ago, right? All right. At this time, what we're going to do is um, we're going to go ahead and dismiss our children for our Shoreline Sunday School Ministry. Um, just to let you know that this year's high school freshmen are the first ones to not know any that were born after 9-11. So that tells you how much is going on. So say hi to somebody around you that is here and go ahead and be glad. Am I on? There we go. All right. Everybody having a good um, second summer? Okay. They teased us a little bit last week, but here we are back with 90 plus degree weather, and that's a good thing. I, it, could stay, it could stay that way for a while. I'll be just as happy. All right. Um, welcome. If you're visiting with us today, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Hopefully you received the card. If you did, um, by all means, go ahead and fill that out. We have a small gift for you. Thank you for being part of our worship today. Um, if you're watching for the first time online, um, welcome. Again, we don't have a gift that we can give to you except for just the, me. Um, here we go. Um, so you might, now that you're returning that back to the store, it's okay. I'm sorry. Um, but no, we do welcome you. We're glad that you're uh, joining. Um, I know some, several people who have health issues and other people um, who are traveling have been very vocal every week. They send me an email. Feel free to send an email, um, jack at havencc.org or info at havencc.org. We'd love to hear about our online church experience as well. Um, since we don't get a chance to, to see you, you get to see us, but we don't get to see you. So we're just glad that you're joining with us. Um, good to see everyone here today, though. And um, we want to uh, share a couple things that we have on our, in our information sheet, if you have them. If not, check online, um, and we have these also. Uh, a couple different things. Uh, Radical Churchwide Study, it is our last week. It, is a, um, it seems like it's been a journey, right? It is, and we're not done. It's not something we go, whew, we're done, and we put back. It's something I think if we really embrace it and really wrestle with it, several have contacted me through email or phones or in person and really challenged and uh, said how much this has um, been a really challenging study and a really uh, deep connection. Um, and so if you've missed any of the messages, by all means, go to havencc.org. Go ahead and click on our media section and bring those up as part of the sermons. As, uh, and if you also um, want to get the book and go ahead and connect. But I hear some really good things in our small groups, and people I've never talked to in my life or never would have, have God has brought out of the woodwork for me to talk to about um, really influencing the world. It's been pretty awesome, so from this standpoint, all right? Continue to pray for our um, radical study as you continue that right here that's in the bulletin as well. Um, supplies for rotating shelter is due today. How are we doing, Joanne? Still some items, so if, you'll, um, if you'd like to, please go ahead and sign up. Um, in, those, in those areas uh, for 
for the um, rotating shelter. And if you want to give online, by all means, contact us, and we can make sure that um, any finance or any gifts go directly toward that as well. And so that'll be here the week of January 9th, correct? Is that where we are? So believe it or not, January will be here quicker than before. Remember when we were saying, oh my gosh, September's so far away. Here we are. Today is the opening of football season. Go Eagles. There's no blasphemy allowed in church, Lisa. So, um, actually, it's not as bad. The Ravens are okay. You say Cowboys, there's the door. Um, so just joking. All right, no, I'm not. Um, but anyway... Today after church, there is a uh, Haven's Helping Hands. If you want to know what HHH is, it's, it's not like 4-H minus one. Um, you, you don't have anything to do with cows. It's our, um, our serving ministry, the way we, um, we reach out. Um, and we, we've had this in existence for a, for a while. But it's how we reach out to those who are less fortunate than us. Um, and they will be meeting after church in classroom A. So please connect. Um, the next thing is the Paris Foundation. Um, Sunday, September 18th, next week. We good? I love the fact that one week we say we have opportunities, which is Bonnie's way of saying, got spots, fill them in. I don't want to be left there by myself. And then all of a sudden, just within a week, we have people who fill the void and connect and do that and uh, really make a difference. It's an awesome experience. And if you really want to go see what goes on there, by all means, go ahead and connect. It's an awesome, awesome ministry. Um, So thank you for connecting to that. and then just please remember all those in prayer. If you want, um, want to be part of the prayer list, you can do that by connecting to um, Debbie Chadwick. Um, also online, if you have a prayer request, by all means, go to that section and send a prayer request. It goes right to Debbie, our prayer coordinator. She will make sure that happens and gets out. And, um, and it's great when those things happen as well. All right? Um, we want to, and so that leads us right into our time of prayer. Um, we have a praise um, June has a praise, and I, I, we'll see if Chris does, right? But here we go. Chris started a new job at Ikea two weeks ago, and, he's doing, and it's doing great, right, Chris? You like it? You do? All right, so we're, we're glad. Um, can't get any discounts, right? Because people will bug you. I say, can you get a discount? So we'll, we'll everybody stay away from, uh, from him. Um, Annette Liddy has asked for prayers and uh, for strength and faith. Um, the doctors um, had done a surgery on nine-month-old Rosie. Um, they, were, they were here with us last week. And so Rosie had surgery on this past Thursday. It's a significant surgery to help her breathe and other kinds of things. I did speak with um, her mother um, via Facebook um, the other day, and she is doing well. It went as well as, as expected. So we're thankful for that as, um, as the doctors and um, Hopkins minister to her. So we're, we're very, very thankful about that. Also, um, Patty? Right? Was that this morning? I did not know that. So Patty Miller from our, had to go to the emergency room this morning for a medical issue. So we want to lift Patty. Otherwise, she would have been right, right here. So we want to continue to lift her in your prayers as well. Um, and just continue to lift everyone up, particularly we recognize through prayer 9-11 as we recognize that. Um, many of us went on with our lives, um, and several people could never go on with lives the way they were. And it's changed our world. Um, and one of the things that begins to happen when there's fear, uh, when there's something that happens like that, fear creeps in. And I think fear uh, is one of those things that keeps us from fully achieving what God wants us to do. So we want to continue to lift all those in prayers as we, we continue to go forward. So teachers, how's the, how's the first couple of weeks been? Great. Okay. So prayers have been answered, right? Good? Okay. <laughs> okay. Step up the prayers over there. Okay. Here we go. All right. So anybody else have anything else you want to lift up in prayer? Yes. Nikki. Um, just to praise, um, Christina, 
Awesome. See that lady in the back? The annoying one about Ravens, her. Yeah. Okay. So that's awesome. How many? About a dozen of those dresses. So Lisa is very happy and so are we. Because I love when things like this happen because you know they are specifically touching lives. You know, that's one of the most awesome things. So thank you for doing that. Um, and I would be remiss also if I did not mention that um, Nikki Sinelli, uh, this week um, we got a prayer re- uh, request out. She really suddenly... Um, kind of got sick and passed out, and, and we're very worried because of her history with some medical issues. Um, by the time I got to the hospital, she was ready to go home, so that's awesome, but I got to hug her, and, um, and Bree felt a lot better, but said she was really worn out and didn't feel so, went fully back to herself, so she's taking some time off, but we're glad that everything turned out well there because they were worried about um, heart arrhythmia uh, and all kinds of other stuff, so we're thankful that Nikki is doing awesome, and she, get, she was concerned about getting back to her job, which she, she loves, so we want to continue to lift her in your prayers as well. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Heavenly Father, once again, we're going to come to you, and, uh, and we aren't, so many times we don't feel worthy to even become, come to you, but you call us to come to you in prayer, and so God, um, that's what we're going to do. I want to thank you for this church that is very, very giving, that is very connecting, just as we can see by many of the announcements that uh, whether it's rotating shelter or whether it's um, with the angel dresses or whether it's uh, the Paris Foundation or, or what, have it, what have you, God, that we are very connected in the community around us. And I thank you that for giving us this radical study, which is going to cause us to even expand and look even more on how we can influence the world. And so, God, um, during the rest of this time, we just ask that you, you be with us. Thank you for the many blessings that you've given to us. We can lose sight of the fact that that we are incredibly blessed by you if we don't take time to really think about it. So God, we thank you for those blessings. But I thank you that we are blessed in order to be a blessing to so many others. And so God, during this time, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be upon these gifts, your tithe and our offerings, that as we give, your Holy Spirit will come upon them and multiply them to do greater than we ever thought possible. So Lord God, your Holy Spirit, not only come to us, but come upon our gifts. Help us to be for the world your hands and feet. Help us to be committed, focused, and devoted to you in all things. We give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Oh, to 
singing you this song I'm waiting at the cross And all the world holds dear I count it all as lost For the sake of knowing you For the glory of your name To know the lasting joy Even sharing in your pain And I surrender Good morning. Today's reading is from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. The rich and the kingdom of God. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, what must I do to in inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your mother and father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, 
With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. The mantra of the American dream is to advance yourself with hard work, ingenuity, innovation. You can have it all. The frightening reality of the gospel. Jesus does call us to give up everything we have. If we're going to live for the sake of 4.5 million lost people and thousands and thousands and thousands of kids who are dying every day because they don't have food on their table, then that means radical change in our lives and our families and church. Church, we are plan A, and there is no plan B. All right, we're done with that. It was cool at first. So. All right, I, you know how many times I've heard that? Oh my, so. All right, but um, I got to tell you, in some of that, I feel like that's kind of what God has done in areas of my faith, has shattered it in many ways to make me really see something differently than, um, than, I, than I've ever seen before. Um, today, if you, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, we're going to be pretty much in one section. Everybody say, yay. yay. Okay, you don't have to skip around too much. Um, but we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. And that's kind of going to be kind of where we're going to stay most of the area. And you'll be happy because most of the time we'll be around one verse. So it's not a mistake in your bulletin that there's one verse there a lot. Um, but we're going to hang out there. But um, I was thinking this week about when um, uh, my kids were little, particularly uh, Jacob, when he was real little. Um, and he was real little because he was 5'12 when he was born. I know there's a couple of you who remember that, but he was real, real little. Now he's not. Um, but he was real, real little. I have a picture of his... His head here and his legs here, he was like 19 inches long, and you know now he's like over top of me, and I can't catch him because he's fast, um, and all that stuff. But I remember, I remember like one of the first times, you know, like when babies eat, you know, you got to burp them. Remember that? You got to do that. And so I had him up here like this, and I had a T-shirt on like that, and I was going like this. And somehow more than was put in came out. And it was like in my ear and in my hair, like almost in my mouth, you know, and it's all over your shirt and there's like, there's like no easy way out of it, you know what I mean? You're kind of like, you've got just, you know, puke, baby puke, um, you know, warm like formula and breast milk is not something awesome. You want, it's not a, like you don't go in and buy O of, of warm breast milk anywhere, you know, that I know of. It's like, it, it just, you're like, ah, what do you do? You got a baby and you're trying to, you don't just toss them and be like, you know, this, this kind of thing. Anybody else had that experience of been like thrown up on? I know, um, I know my, my daughter threw up in my brother-in-law's mouth one time. He had her up like this and I did what everybody, what every parent should do. I laughed like a fool. 
I laughed and laughed and laughed, and I thought it was absolutely hilarious because um, it didn't happen to me. But, but, you know, when it did and I had this stuff on me, I, you're like, Jack, why are you sharing this about being barfed on by your kids? Um, believe me, they, uh, you, as a parent, you lose care that they do anything because I've been peed on, pooped on, barfed on, you name it. Um, and that's just by the people who like me. So... Um, but one of the reasons why I share that is because in some ways during this series, I feel like I'm Jacob to many of you. That every week I'm coming up and going, blah, here we go, blah. You guys are like, oh, I feel nasty going out of church or something like that. But that's how I feel planning these messages, all right? Just to let you know, it's been one of those things that, I, that I've wrestled with. Again, I want to stress that I don't take... Um, I don't think David, the, the book of David Platt is the next gospel, but I do believe that he takes the word of God and really makes us wrestle with some things that I know that if I'm really, really honest, really, really honest with God and myself that I have just completely ignored as, as part of my faith journey. And, I, and that's just something I want to share from me. You guys may be awesome with it, but I know I, there are areas I have completely ignored, basically by the fact that I have people who are now contacting me um, by, by me stepping into this realm that are doing international mission. And they're friends of mine on Facebook now. And one of them's in Romania right now. And I'm seeing little babies that are, in, that are orphans that are the cutest little things I've ever seen in my life. And um, I'm just, I have a, a splagnizomai, for those of you who remember that, a compassion that I never had before about that and recognize that there's kids all over the world that because of, um, because of disease and AIDS epidemic and others that are surviving on nothing. And it's just moved something in me and in my heart that wouldn't have been moved unless I would have decided, unless God would have led me to go ahead and take this on. So I don't know your experience, but that's where I am. So in many ways, I'm glad I don't have to preach this anymore, but I will tell you, it's not leaving me. It's not leaving my, my heart or my faith, and God is going to continually, um, continually press on me. Real quick, uh, I know we've had several in this church who have been on mission trips elsewhere. Um, could you just stand up where you are right now, like if you wouldn't mind? There's Carol, and, and there we go. And I know Joe, um, Joe there you are right there. Um, and I've seen, I've seen people who have been in other areas of mission trips. And every week, some of these people and others contact me and are like, they see the faces of the kids and the people that they were ministering to when they're there. So um, it's, it's, you know, I, I'm talking with somebody who is involved in mission work. They said they always knew when they saw a missionary, they always knew that's where God called them. When God really called them out, they said, oh, call me to mission. I said, that's funny, because when God called me, I said, don't call me to mission. I said, keep me here. I like stuff. Um, and so, and God has really played with me on that. So I'm going to vomit on you one more time in the series today. And so hopefully you'll be, um, you'll be good. But um, I believe it's great because we have a com- we've had a conversation that I don't think many of us have ever had. But there are some misunderstandings that we look at when we, when we look at this. And I want to clear these up. Many times in talking about putting our faith in action, we get them mixed up in what some people would call works righteousness or salvation through works. That is not what I'm preaching. Um, and I want to make that very clear. It, and I want to tell you, it does not matter what Jack tells you to do. Don't say, what did Jack tell us to do? It does not matter what Jack tells you to do. Whenever I hear somebody at a church say, well, Pastor so-and-so says, and Pastor so-and-so says, my immediate question that pops in my mind is, what does the Spirit of God say? What does the Word of God say? I'm just a human like you are that God has called me up here to do this and ultimately um, to help work through those things as well. So what I want to do is just share 
those things. And so ask what the Spirit of God um, is speaking to you. My goal in this is that we will, that we will be faithful to God and, we'll be, and I want to be faithful to God and faithful to representing God's Word clearly and accurately the best I can. And to put God's Word before you and to let you take it and say, okay, Spirit, tell me what you want me to do. Tell me how you want me to, to respond to this, God. It's not about what Jack wants. It's about what you. And I'm wrestling with that journey myself, as I mentioned, and you are too. So let's go to Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 31. We'll touch back on that in here. We're not going to cover it all right now. June did a great job of reading it for us. Right, June? All right, so... What? A little short-winded, but that was good. All right, here we go. So I, I just want to open with prayer today as we, as we wind out the series. Lord God, Father, I just pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would help us understand your word. That by the power of, this, of your word, that you would take this word and bring it to our minds and our hearts, but ultimately to our lives, so that you would bring the story of the rich young man to life and into our lives. We are so blessed, and by the standard of the rest of the world, we are rich. And so, God, I ask that you just put aside our opinions and our preconceived notions and not begrudge the fact that we're in a place of, of blessing that you've placed us in, but look at that, God, as a means that you will take that and bring glory to your name here and around the world, that you'll put a practice into our lives that may never have been there. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, when we look at this section of the rich young man, how many have ever heard this story before, the rich young ruler? The rich young ruler, rich young man, this rich guy, he's got... He's, he's, we know a couple things about him. He's what? Rich, and he's young. Okay, so he, he was in uh, Bethlehem Internet Stocks back in the 90s. Um, and so he had them. And so here he comes. He comes to Jesus. He said, hey, good teacher, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus goes through some, well, you got to keep the ten, these commandments. He said, I'm a good, he's not only a good rich young man, but he's a good rich young Jewish man. And so he's like, oh, all those I've kept since I'm a boy. I was top in my synagogue's class. I mean, I got a special yarmulke. I am good. I am good. And he, he says, yeah, but there's one thing you lack. Take everything that you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. And he says, excuse me? And one of the saddest verses of Scripture says he went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, one common error, there's a couple common errors that we have when we read this verse. One of the errors is to universalize it for everybody. People will say that what Jesus is telling is every single person needs to right now get rid of everything that you have, sell everything, liquidate everything, and be poor and give it away. But... We don't see all that in the scripture because some of the disciples that he had, we know he went to Simon Peter's house. We know some of them went back to fishing, so that meant they had fishing boats. So Jesus is not telling absolutely everybody, be poor and go. Everybody throw everything away. Everything you work for, eh, I don't care. Go through this. He's not saying that. He's not universalizing it, but that's one thing that people have wrongly attached to that. The second error is not only not universalizing it, but minimizing it. So those two extremes are big. Well, people will say, well, this is not for everybody. It's only for a few people. You know, the top one percenters. That's who God's talking to. Uh, but the reality is, if you are a follower of Christ, it's possible, though, and we must say it is possible that Jesus could come to you and say, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take it all, liquidate it all, leave it all to go follow me. And he can very well do that. So I, what we're going to do through the remainder of this section is we're going to look at some radical things that Christ calls us to do. Uh, I believe about four or five of them. And as, as we can learn from this section of Scripture here today. 
So we're going to dive right in to this text and these different truths that arise. And the first one is this. The first one that we're going to deal with is a radical approach, a radical approach, and it's Jesus calls, um, call, Jesus' call to salvation demands total surrender. Jesus' call to salvation demands total surrender. Now, I want to tell you, by modern seminary and church growth actions, Jesus would completely fail evangelism class at this point. Here he has the perfect proselyte ever, the perfect convert. You've got somebody who's young, right? And, I, and according to statistics in the United States, that's one of the areas of 20 are missing, and even younger, teens to, to about 30 years old are missing from our congregations and from our churches. So he's got somebody who's young. Boom! That's who we want to pay attention to. He's got somebody who's what? Rich. Rich people can make things happen, right, in our world. So he's got a young, rich person, and he's got somebody who's willing, who wants to know how he can go ahead and connect to God and go to heaven. That does not happen all the time. So if you got one of them, most of the work's been done for you. All you have to do is shut up and say, come on, come on. Right here, I'll show you the way. Join, join my little group here. You can be the 13th disciple. That's what Jesus should have done, right? But he doesn't. So he would have failed this class. This is the first time he's met him. The guy says to him, "Teach, good teacher, what do I need to do to uh, inherit the kingdom of heaven, to go to heaven? And he says, he says, well, you got to keep the commandments. The guy's like, yeah. All right, I've done all that. I got it. I'm good. Woo. See, I got all my pins. I got all that stuff. I've got, I've got my baptismal certificate. I got my shirt that says hooked in Galilee or whatever it is. I got it all. And Jesus says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot this one. Take all you got. Go sell it all. Give it to the poor and then come follow me. He says, uh-uh. No, no, no. That's a second statement he's met to, he said to him. What would you do if we had an altar call and said, come to Jesus just as you are, but before you do, I want you to give away everything you have, liquidate it, give it all to Paris Foundation, give it all to the rotating shelter, and then come and follow Jesus. What do you think would happen with the attendance of church here? Right? No, 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 no. That's not what we do. It's not what's supposed to, supposed to be done. In a way, Jesus goes right to the heart of the issue and says, you've got something that is in front of your relationship with me. There is something, and for him it was his, his monetary wealth. There is something that is here in front of you that is going to forever keep you from doing what I really need you to do and making the impact that you need to do. Because guess what? Here's one of the things that we learn. In our culture, when you have a surplus of finances, you can get around some suffering by your own power and strength. You can. You can buy your way out of stuff. We can buy our way out of things that most of the world cannot buy our way out of, just because we can. And what we find here is Jesus wants him to renounce all that and follow him. You see, salvation is never a matter of external reformation. We have that there. It's never a matter of external renovation. The man comes up and says, what must I do? All these have kept, Jesus says, go and sell everything. Jesus is not promoting a work salvation here. 
He's going ahead and, and changing some things and going to the heart of this guy's matter because what really is, it's about the heart. It's not the external stuff. Jesus isn't concerned about fully about our bank accounts and what the stock market does. Do you think, I saw the stock market was down. Do you think Jesus went, oh my gosh, how am I gonna do what I need to do in the world? He's like, so what, I'm God. Scripture says he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Last time I checked, Jesus is not, and God is not in the cattle business, he's in the people business. So what he's saying is he's got wealth that we don't even know about. And so what he says here, it's not, I'm not concerned about what goes on around here. What I'm concerned about is what's in here. I'm concerned about that salvation is always a matter of internal transformation. Salvation is an internal transformation. And he wanted him to transform something in his life. And this man couldn't do it. James 2, we talked about this last week. James says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Faith is not accompanied, faith not accompanied by action is what? Dead. It's a, it's a process. We don't do, I'm going to tell you the difference here. We don't do things to say, oh, I'm saved. Hey, I'm, I'm going to go serve the poor. That get me a ticket punch, God. Woo, I'm in. No, we serve the poor and the hungry because of the internal transformation of what Christ has done in our lives and it's an extension of what we do because of our love for him, because of his great love for us. You understand that? I don't want anybody to leave here thinking that, oh wow, if I do all this stuff, then God will find me good and then God will kick open the kingdom. That is wrong, completely wrong. It's a heart issue lifestyle. Like imagine this, imagine someone and don't think of anybody's particular names. Imagine someone who claims that they have Christ in their heart, but they leave a complete, live a completely immoral lifestyle. They steal, they rob, they cheat, they hate everybody, they're nasty to everybody, they spit upon those who are, um, who are less off. They're completely judgmental about absolutely every person. All their practices in their life are anything but, but show the love of God, and they continue to do that. When you go up to them and you say to them, hey, I want you to tell me how you can do this, and you claim to have Christ in your life, but yet you're doing this to people. And when they hear it, they completely ignore it and continue to go on and on and not honor Christ in what they do. They completely disobey him. It doesn't matter to them one hill of beans, and they continue to go on. And so many, many of us may have to question what is truly in their heart, because our Christian faith today is very easy to say, I'm a Christian. I have accepted Jesus Christ. Even that terminology makes it about us, that God, hey, aren't you glad I have accepted you? Woo! Right? Even our language has that, where we should be in all the fact that Christ accepts us and all the mess that we are in, that he loves us so much, that God loves us so much that he gave his son for us, that whoever believes in him should not perish, which we deserve, but have everlasting life. That comes from an inward transformation. Because the man, how did he greet Jesus? When he walks up to him, what did he say to him? In verse 21, what did he say? Good what? Good teacher, good teacher. And I bet Jesus had to chuckle here. Because what we have here is Jesus is not a mere respectable teacher. The man was being honorable. But he, was, he saw Jesus as just another honorable teacher. And Jesus doesn't lend himself to that. He says, good teacher. All these things I have kept since I'm a boy. He's checking off his report card. Jesus responds, and you kind of hear a chuckle in Jesus' voice. Why do you call me good? 
No one's good but God himself. You see what he's doing? He said, oh, I'm not a teacher. You don't realize who I am. And I think in our culture today, many of us are just so happy to just have Jesus as a teacher. Where he's safe and we can follow principles and, you know, and pass the class, yes or no. And we don't really see him as, the, as what we needed to see him, and what this man needed to see him, that Jesus is Lord. It's much more difficult to make Jesus as Lord because that costs something. So many people today profess to be Christians and have Jesus as this teacher, may look at the Ten Commandments, may look at the Sermon on the Mount and say, these are good things and I'm going to put my life by that. But to recognize Jesus as the author and perfecter of your life, the one who, who directs and guides absolutely everything you do, then we've got a little problem here. It's a radical way to live. But honestly, it's very elementary in the call of the Christian in the early church. So the first thing that we're looking at is total surrender. Number two, we have a radical affection, and that radical affection is Jesus calls us to give sacrificially because he loves us, because he loves us. Verse 21, I told you you didn't have to go very far. This is the command. Now imagine yourself in this man's shoes. Go and sell everything you have, give to the poor. Imagine if, God, if you were there, you've, done, you've lived a good life, you've given philanthropically, you've been connected, you worked hard to understand the Jewish faith. You're coming to him because you really want to know how to better yourself and better your faith. And he says, take everything that you have and give it away. All your assets, everything. You may have people that are dependent upon you and to go ahead and get it, give it away. I can't really beat him up, can you? I can't at all. I'd be like, uh-uh. But I want you to look at something. The be- Why did Jesus do that? At the beginning of verse 21, and you have it in your bulletin, I want you to underline it because it's not underlined in, or you can do it in your Bible. Jesus looked at him and did what? What? Loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus calls him to do this not because he hates him and hates his lifestyle. Jesus calls him to do this because he loves him. He has a great love for him, and he wants him to connect in a way that he never could in any other way. Not because Jesus wants the worst for him, but because he wants the best for him. He loves him. Jesus loves rich. He loves poor. He loves, them enough. He loves us all enough to tell us the truth. If you go to Luke chapter 12, there's this parable where it says, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Does that sound like the American dream? But in verse 20 through 21 of chapter 12 of Luke, it says, but God said to him, you fool. Nothing, just to let you know, when God says that, nothing good comes after that. You fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Talk about, bam, right between the eyes. You see, these are tough words here, but why is this the reason? It doesn't sound like give everything you have away is a good thing, does it? Does it seem very loving? Does it seem very loving at all? But look at what Jesus says. He follows this up by starting to say, but don't worry. Your father will take care of you. Now, how many of you remember when you lived at home and you never had to worry about anything? Your parents, you didn't have to go, I wonder if we're going to have money. I wonder if my 
I'm going to get Christmas presents. I wonder if we're going to have birthday. I wonder if we're going to have, oh my, if we have dinner. I know some of you may have um, lived in extreme poverty. I may have experienced that. I don't want to minimize that. But ultimately, it wasn't your worry to figure out. Whose was it? Your parents, whoever filled that void. They did a lot of worry. Now, how many of you now that you are responsible for people have more worries about things? And you wonder how that's going to take care. Here's the cool thing. You know, sometimes you just get tired of, of chasing after it because enough's never enough. Stuff gets more expensive. And enough is never enough for us to have. And sometimes it'd be good to just say, yeah, my dad will take care of it. Oh, bills, dad will take care of it. Oh, hey, dad, got some bills here. You pay my mortgage for me this month, all right? Thanks, dad. Click. He just had a heart failure right now if he's watching online, all right? But it was good there, wasn't it? Here's what Jesus is saying here. Why are you worrying about it? Your daddy's still taking care of you. As long as you do what he says and follow him, he's still going to take care of you. Daddy's cool with it, so you be cool with it. Don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you these things. Jesus calls to give radically, for us to give radically, because he loves us. And he wants, there's things he wants to provide for us, but unless we give, he can't. Number three, radical command. Jesus gives commands like considerations. Anybody ever told your kids, this is not a request? Get on it. Anybody? Anybody ever got a demand? Anybody had a spouse or somebody else tell you, uh, yeah, I expect this done? And you say, yes. Anybody had a honey-do list? It's not a honey, I think I'm suggesting a little bit that you might kind of get around to it, Right? If you do that, how does it end up? Not good. Same thing with Jesus. Jesus gives commands, not consideration. Back in Mark chapter 10, first, ready for this verse? 21, here we go. I'm gonna read this verse again, and I want you to count. Here you go. You ready to count? Everybody can count? I want you to count how many commands Jesus gives in this one verse, all right? One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Some may have three, some may have four. Ultimately, there are five, and I'll tell you where there are five. Ready? Number one, go. Number two, sell. Number three, give. Number four, come. Number five, follow. Five commands in that one little verse. Five commands in this one verse. Remember the two errors we talk about, universalizing and minimizing? So let's not do that here. And some people will say something like this, and they'll say, Jesus is not calling the man to give up everything and sell everything. He's telling him to be willing to do that. The problem is, and here's my problem with that, it's simply not true. We twist it because we don't want God to tell us to do that, right? Let's be honest. And so he never said, be willing. He said, I want you to I'm giving you a command, and I expect it to be followed if you're following me. In other words, how many heard this in your life from your parents? Because I said so. And how many said, ah, I don't think so. How'd that work out for your rear end? Or if you were the lucky ones who got timeouts? Okay. I was not one of the lucky ones who got a timeout. All right. You see, here's, as followers of Christ, we don't get the opportunity to consider the options from Christ. That's for him to do. 
Remember, I said he loves us, so he wants what's best for us. So if we're considering the options that the person who has best for us in our life is, then we could possibly choose to do the thing that isn't best for us. Anybody ever chosen the other path that was bad for you with Christ? Anybody knew that you were headed down the way, but you said, no, I got this. How'd that work for you? The other thing is, as followers of Christ, we obey, not negotiate. You know, God, I'll follow you, but first, all right? Here's what I want. Here's what I want through the series. I want every follower of Christ to go to Christ themselves and say this. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to sell? You know that thing that I've had for a while that's just sitting there that I spent lots of money on, that I thought I wanted, that I'm not using, but I don't get rid of because I still like it? I like the prestige of it. I like to look at it. I like to say, oh, one day I'm going to get around to it. Or maybe it's something that I like a lot and I use a lot. And maybe, God, I like it more than I like you. Maybe the reason why there's a lot of empty seats in some of these rows is because somebody likes something better than they like Jesus. Maybe. I don't know. Where do you want, where do you want um, me to go? Where do you want, what do you want me to sell? What things are you calling me to give? I had a Jehovah's Witness come to the door one time. I put my systematic theology from seminary to use during that point. I listened, and I realized they're not evil people. Many of us were brought up in the church to think they're evil. Slam the door in their faces. I say, wow, look at this. A mission field just popped up in my house. And one time when, they, when I sat there and I talked with him, they were talking to me, do you believe the Bible's relevant for today? Sure I do. Do you believe in this? Do you believe in that? I said, some of the things are very good. And then, they said, then I said, do you got any questions? I said, yeah, what do you think about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Whoop, went right to the, to the deal. Uh, wait a second here. And we had this discussion out there. It was freezing cold. I'm in shorts and a T-shirt. He's like, you can go in. I said, no, I'm good. I'm like, God, if I get sick because of that, you and I are going to talk about this. So he's handing me the Watchtower Press thing, and he's telling me this, and I'm talking to him. I said, where did you go before? Where, what, what were you involved with before? What church? And he said, I wasn't involved with any. And I said, I want to apologize to you for the church. And stay right here. And I walked in, and I went and grabbed a book called, by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity. It talks about C.S. Lewis, who was an atheist, who, op- who wrote down the reason why he believes without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is who he says he is. And it said, it had like a sticker on there, like 789 or whatever. And I gave it to him. And he said, that's like an $8 book. I said, yeah, but I want you to know the truth. And I believe in my heart that that's why God brought you here. You came here for one reason, but I believe God sent you here for another reason. Then I went in and thawed that myself out. And I hope that I hope. I don't know what happened. They may have taken it, thrown it in the back of the car and burned it. I don't know. But... At that moment, God commanded me to stay outside and freeze my rear end off and to give him a book that I liked pretty well, that I had on my shelf so people would say, oh, you read C.S. Lewis? Yes, I do. (laughs) And if I didn't read it, at least it looks good on the wall. So I want you to ask God, what, what are you calling me to give? To what place are you calling me to come and what direction am I to follow you? Ask him and wait for him to speak. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, it may not be next year, but he will speak. And I'm gonna tell you, when we all as a collective community of faith here and those watching online begin to ask those five things, 
that Christ told us to do, when we begin to ask those things, look out. Look out, because God's gonna do something awesome. And see if he does not open the floodgates of heaven as he promised he would. All right, number four. Everybody good? Good. Number four, radical reward. Jesus does not want to strip us of our pleasures. Everybody say, woo! I'm going to say it again. Jesus does not want to strip us of our pleasures. There we go. What he wants to do is he wants to satisfy us with his treasure. It's a radical risk, but it's a greater reward. Look at, guess what verse we're going to go to? Mark chapter 10, verse 21. I told you we aren't going anywhere today. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have what? Treasure in heaven. In Matthew 13, 44, I want you to underline this verse in your Bible. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought the field. He did it with what? He sold it, everything he had with what? Joy. Now, most of us, if, I, if, if Christ came to us and said, sell everything you have, go ahead. I want it right here. Sell everything you have. I'm Jesus. Oh, sell everything you have. You're like, uh-uh. But let me, let me put it this way. Say you're walking along in a field. You're just walking along. And all of a sudden, you trip. And you see, like, this thing sticking out. So you start to dig. And you start to dig some more. And you find the biggest treasure you ever have. Any Goonies fans? There you go. Now, you guys know what I mean. The big treasure there. You found it, and you're like, oh. So what do you do? You cover it back up and you find out the field is for sale. And so you say, I don't have enough, but if I sold absolutely everything I had, because this is more treasure than I've ever seen in my life, you take it, you, you keep it quiet, right, don't you? Many of us keep it quiet. We don't want somebody else to buy in the field because that'll up the price. So we go and we go ahead and then we go to the person and we say, you're having yard sales, you're selling everything, you're on eBay, you're you know, gi- giving stuff away to the poor and everybody else, you're going to the Paris Foundation, you're giving all your clothes, you're giving your car, you're donating your car. Oh, we don't even need that, that receipt. I don't care about taxes, we're just doing all this stuff. People think you have lost your mind. And then you go to the owner and you say, I want to buy the field. He said, that's a hunk of junk. Why do you want that? Nothing grows there. He's like, that's okay, I really want it. Why? because you know that the treasure there is greater than what you have already. And what Jesus is saying here is, you think what you have is so awesome, but not one bit of it are you taking with you. I've heard of people that had motorcycles that they loved and cars that they loved being buried with them. Guess what happens to those cars and motorcycles? They rust, they destroy, there's nothing. They ain't around heaven going, not doing that. The car's in the ground with their dead body. All that stuff, gone. Gone. But for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord, we get a greater reward. So it doesn't matter all this stuff because we're going to pass it on to somebody else already. We bought a van in 2002. It was a 2003 van. That dumb thing has run forever. You've seen Melissa in it. We've had, we've had basketball hoops fall on it. We had Jacob learn on driving it, the car that I strapped him in in his, in his chair. As a little kid, he took off and went to football practice one day with, and I said, what the heck happened to those years? 
the other week, Melissa was driving. She said, something happened. It broke down. I said, well, we're by a place. And she said, I'll put some water in. She took it to um, Curtis Abrams. He's been my mechanic since I was 16. Took it in there. And he, he gave me a call later on. He said, well, Jack, it looks like the head's cracked on. It's pretty much done. The van? <laughs> and Miguel's response is like, well, now what do I learn to drive on? I said, not that. <laughs> Yes, I went and picked, I had it at his, at his place and I drove it home like, because it'll still move a little bit. But guess what? That thing that we've had owes us absolutely nothing and it was dependable. I went to Florida two different times. We went to North Carolina. It went all over the place. Melissa used it. If you broke down in a, in a winter, there was probably a chicken nugget under the seat that you could eat from five years ago. I mean, it was that van. Guess what? It's rusty, dead crap now. And everything that we put our faith in and that we put our desire and that our want and we gear ourselves toward in life is going to be rusty, dead crap one day. Except for our faith in Jesus Christ and the treasure that he gives us through him. So you can sell that everything you have and you can serve him. It's absolutely smart move to be that man in Matthew. What do we want from our lives? Do we want short-term treasures or do we want long-time pleasure forever and ever? Jim Elliott, I mentioned him one of the first weeks, who was martyred in Ecuador, soon before his death, wrote that people said he was nuts and people would say, oh, you're crazy doing all this stuff, you're going there. They did it throughout his entire life and he wrote this right before he died. He said, I am no, it is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. In first century Rome, there was persecution in the church and Roman soldiers broke into a house church and they wanted to strip them of all their riches and they said, where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? And the people in the house church pointed over there and said, that's our treasure. And sitting over there were some orphans who were being fed by that house church. That's our treasure. That's how it is with the life of Christ, true treasure. Matthew 6 says, don't store up for treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy it also continues to say, you cannot serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. Where is your heart? Are you pouring it into something that lasts or something that's passing? And our last one that we have here before I go into a really quick thing, I know you're looking and saying, oh my gosh, you ain't gonna be done till noon. Um, don't worry, tomorrow. Um, it's a radical loss. I'm just gonna fill this in very quickly. Love of stuff will ultimately rob us of the joy which we have been created. I wonder if 100 or 200 years from now, Christians will look back at us if Jesus hadn't come back and they, say, they may say, they seem to be following Christ, but four billion people living on $2 a day and dying, 30,000 children under the age of five dying from something that they could prevent. They said they were Christians. They said they loved Jesus. They stood up and sang songs that I surrender all to you, but yet, why was that need still there? Because I believe that we need to live a little bit more rad. And in that rad experience, we're gonna do a couple things like this. Here's, this is from the end of the book, and these are challenges I wanna give you. It calls it the radical experience. Because we do things well, and I've bragged on this church, and I've told you that. We do things well, but we can always do things better. Like for instance, like for instance, 
These here, what are they? What kind of Oreos are they? Go ahead. What are you thinking, Andy? That's right. Why does reduced fat, if you're going to eat this sucker, forget that one. Go to that one. Get the double stuff and then bite the end off and make a quadruple stuff. Do I hear an amen? There we go, right? Now, you guys eat these things because I'm not. Anybody want some reduced? You're feeling some reduced? Okay, guess what? These people are going to enjoy it a heck of a lot more than you are. Go ahead. Pass them around. I mean, think about it. When we get ice cream, how many get them little cups with the little wooden spoon things? If you want ice cream, you get Ben and Jerry's, right? You get Kilby's. You get something that is fat, 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 right? You can, you can do ice cream. Like that ice milk crap that tasted like it was frozen on the top of the roof of the ice cream container. You eat that mess? No, if you're going to do it, jump on in. When we, were, when we were on vacation one year, there was a jump, a cliff that we jumped off of. I hate heights. I should have pulled up the video. Maybe I'll put it on um, next week. And I jumped, and I was like, and I had a, a camera, and you hear this, and I'm like, yeah, that was fun, right? I can never experience the thrill of jumping off and in unless I go all in. So on them cookies, go all in. Don't just keep them to yourself. Pass them suckers around. People won't eat them. So what do we do? Here's how you're going to go all in. Number one. Pray for the entire world. What? Pray for the entire world. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, when he saw the crowds, we had this, he had splagnizomai, compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So what do you do? Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into the field. We pray. Pray for everybody throughout the entire world. Don't just make prayers. We have far too long made prayers about me, about us, and about those we care about rather than the rest of the world. Start praying for the rest of the world. Pray for that missionary who is in Romania right now. Pray for people who are involved in Rafa House pulling people out of sex slavery. Pray for people you don't even have a clue about. Next thing I want you to do, the next challenge if you want to live rad, read through the Bible in one year. Why? Because 2 Timothy tells us this. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for what? Teaching, we need to learn more. Rebuking, we got to get ourselves in line. Number three, correcting. When we get off, it puts us back. And training us in righteousness. So that, why? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every work. Guess what? God's got to work for you and for individuals in this church. You may have never thought that you would ever have. God's got somebody in here who's going to do mission work. And you're going to say, uh-uh, not me. And he's going to say, oh, yeah, you. And he's going to equip you through it. Number three, sacrifice our money for a specific purpose. Scripture says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. For God loves a what? You guys didn't do it today. You remember what you were supposed to do when the plate was going around? Woo! Slam dunk it and say, woo! You didn't do it. You missed out. Sorry. All right. And, and God is able to make... All grace abound in use so that in all things, how many? All things at what? All times, having all that you need, you abound in every good work. That means daddy's taking care of you. Number four, spend time in another context. In other words, guess what? We are actively working right now to seek where we as a church can go ahead and put together and, and go on a mission trip. 
We're gonna, we're gonna do it. How are we gonna do it? Where are we gonna do it? Where's the money gonna come from? All those questions. Our daddy owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He'll take care of it. All right? And I can say, for those of you who've been on a mission trip, would you go again? Was it difficulty at times when you started off? Did you have to get some shots and some things like that? Was it worth it? Did it change your heart? Yeah. I've never met one person who's been there and said, I would never do this again. How then can they call on the one who they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without pre someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach to them unless they are sent? Get ready to be sent. And talking with one person in this one area, it is, she was sharing with me that um, they ministered to the gypsy population and gypsies are not allowed to be educated. So they've started a Christian school to minister to gypsies. Guess what? They're gonna get education and they're gonna know Jesus. What Satan intended for bad, God intended for good. And you guys are really liking those Oreos. And ultimately, commit to a multiplying community, to the church, and spread the word of God. So Christ himself gave the, gave the apostles. What's the purpose of the church? He gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Why? To equip people for what? Works of service. That's our faith in action. To serve so that the body of Christ may be built up. What we find out is when we connect and when we give and when we do, the church is built up. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of doctrine and teaching and cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. In other words, what, what God says is if you do these things, it's going to be awesome. And we're putting a treasure that we can never imagine before. So that's the radical series. Now, it's in your hands. We can hear this and we can completely move on and continue church as always or we can be, take a step toward radical nature. And wouldn't it be awesome if we came back next year? I would love to see, I would love to see a place where children are taken care of and come to know the Lord because of we're doing this. I would love to see the world changed and all kinds of things, other things. I'm gonna ask the, um, the praise team to come up. When I was a kid, my dad used to buy a bag of those candy bars, and they were fun size. They weren't very fun. I would have had a lot more fun if they were about this big. You know what I mean? A Hershey bar like this, that's just a teaser. A Hershey bar like this, that lasts. All right? Jill and I used to fight over the little man in the Whitman sampler box. It's like probably one of the worst things in the whole box, but we, we wanted it, and so we had to have it. So we liked when they started putting two in the real big honking ones. All right. What I'm saying is this. Church has been fun size. It's been reduced fat. It's good. I like it. I enjoy it. I grow I feel good at times, but man, you give me a double stuff that I can turn into a quadruple stuff that some way I'm working on a quintuple stuff. 
Maybe an octa stuff. That would be like, you know. If I can do that, or if I can have the big, like that big candy bar that's like this big, if I could have that, I'd be real happy. What I'm, what I'm saying is this. What this whole radical series comes down to is you're awesome people. We are an awesome church. We do some incredible things. But I think God wants us to go from fun size to double stuffed. Don't you want the fullness of what God has for you? Don't you want the fullness of what God has? Wouldn't you just love to trade? Wouldn't you love to just stop worrying about all the crap that we worry about in life and say, my daddy's got it taken care of as long as I'm following him, as long as I'm heading in the direction? I worry about a lot of things that robs my life from me. But ultimately, I know I have a daddy who, who looks after me and wants to take care of me if I just let him and I just seek him. All right? So I'm going to ask you to stand up as our... Um, I'm going to ask our Stephen ministers to come forward. And, and I just want you to focus on what we've talked about throughout this entire series. I want you to focus on, if you're like me, every step of the way you had a reason where you shouldn't do what God wanted you to do or where you wanted to punch David Platt in the face. You're glad he wasn't there reading the book to you because you might have. Um, and there's areas that, like I said, there's areas you may still disagree with and there's areas that you're wrestling through. But if, if you're starting to, to say, well, maybe God, maybe this, there is some, something to this. And maybe, just maybe, you've called me at this point in my life because I've done the other stuff. I'm like the rich young man. I've, I've, been, a, I've been a good Christian boy or girl, I understand it. I've, I've been a part of Bible studies. I've been, uh, you know, I serve at, at, you know, the areas around here. I do those good things. But maybe Jesus is saying to you, but, but Jack, you got this one thing. You got this thing that's keeping me, from, that's keeping you from really, really following me. And, and we, we know what it's, we may not want to admit what it fully is, but when we get closer to it, we start to go ahead and say, hmm, not that. This, but not that. Because then we'll start to say, well, God, I can use that for you. Anybody ever done that one? He says, I know what I need. And I need you. So I'm asking that you bow your heads right now. Lord God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the people. I thank you for everyone who's here, those watching online, those who've been part of our, our worship. I mean, through this through this series, God, I think back, we've had communion, we've had baptism, we had that all in one week. We had a little child that was brought into this church that said, I'm going to take a, that parent said, I'm going to take a profession of faith and raise them in the faith. And God, so often we just bring them in and zip them out and that kind of stuff. And it's much more than that. If that's all we're about, then why bother? I need something. I need something more for you, God. I need something more in your kingdom. I need to... I need to, to know that we're, we're doing your hands and feet in the whole world and that, that maybe next week we come in and that number's not 30,000 children. Maybe it's 29 because of something that we have done. Maybe it's not 4 billion. Maybe it's 3.99999 and that lives are changed in some way. God, you've got some majorly skilled people here and you got a, they got a heart for you or else they wouldn't be here. They wouldn't be watching online. And so right now, God, I ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit where they are and where they're gathered. 
And I ask you to open up your Holy Spirit in this room and to everyone who's, who's in hearing or will hear this. Make us radical. We want to be rad for Jesus. Make us rad, God. Make us radical, radicales. Make us have deep roots in this world, changing this world for you. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory as we take this challenge, this radical challenge. It's not going to be easy, but we know that our daddy has our back. For that, we, we thank you so much. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
10,000 years and then forevermore, forevermore. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. your holy name. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, oh worship your holy name. Worship your holy name, Lord, we will worship your holy name. All right, just congregation, let's just sing it one more time. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy Twelve people. Then down to eleven. And then they added another one. You know, it's interesting. Remember the multitudes were following Jesus? On the day of Pentecost, there was only like 120 around left. Pretty cool, huh? Because the, the multitudes weren't willing to follow him radically. But guess what? The 120 were, plus the women, is what the scripture says. And they changed the entire world forevermore. We're more than that. Don't you want to be world changers for Jesus? It's in your hands. The old story where Jesus ascended into heaven. He got there. He was talking to Gabriel, the archangel. He said, so how'd it go? He said, well, it was kind of cool. I got to heal and teach. I had these you know, 12 friends of mine that were my buddies. And one betrayed me, so that was tough. And I knew it was going to happen, but I gave my life up. And, and then I ascended. And he said, well, what's plan B? He said, there is no plan B. We are plan A for God. Let's make plan A work, right? Plan A. All right, awesome. Everybody feeling good? Good, all right. Next week, to follow up, a one-week message series called Follow Me. Next week, and you can click on there and follow. All right, have an awesome week. Say hi to somebody, particularly somebody you don't know. If you see somebody over there, go hunt them down and tackle them. uh, Oh, wait, I got to show you something. Since I barfed on all you guys, I got a better shirt that I can put on today. All right, there we go. Um, so, all right. Go Eagles. There we go. All right, have a good week. Like that one, Chris?